And we're back at the Bait and Switch Podcast Studios for a special podcast here today. We are doing a preview of the 2018 Tour de France bicycle race. And uh, we're doing it largely because our... Well, a, a previous guest of ours, Mitch Tyke, yeah, came in and he uh, was a big fan of professional cycling and chris is a bi- also a big fan of professional cycling so they got to talking and kind of came up with this, this idea and mitch is really excited about it so we're going to give it a go yeah also i thought i would invite a another prognosticator uh jerry kegel jerry kegel is somebody i know that works at wheel and sprocket in milwaukee and he is very knowledgeable about cycling as well so this is a little bit of a departure from us but hopefully it'll be fun your podcast starts now. Welcome, this is Richard Wilson. If your seat backs and tray tables are not already in their full upright positions, it's too late. Brace for Impact is the Bait and Switch Podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome to our old listeners and uh, and our new listeners for our unique episode on the Tour de France today. So I am Jim Martin, along with my co-host Chris Beyer, and today we have two guests with us. Jerry Cagle is the sales manager at the uh, Hales Corners. Yeah, that's that right. Corners. Wheels of Sprocket. Yep. And uh, Mitch Tyke, co-host of NPR's Lake Effect. Nice to be here. And Jerry, I think I saw you at Wheel and Sprocket. I was trying to in Hale's Corners. We uh, we just bought something for my daughter there not long ago, and I was trying to figure out how why I, why I couldn't quite place you. Oh, oh. there you go. Yeah. There you go. I've been a picture there. I've been there. I've been lucky enough to be able to work in a toy store all my life. So <laughs> yeah, that been, is that is nice. Pretty good. And luckily for you, it's not Toys R Us, right? The way they're going now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so so tonight we're going to be going over the uh, the Tour de France, the course. We're going to go over some of the teams, the riders, predictions from our experts on our panel tonight, and uh, and hopefully we'll have some fun with it, too. This year's tour starts in what would be northwest France, then goes across uh, the northern part of northern part of France, and then it hits the southern part of France later and goes into the mountains. Uh, there's eight flat stages. There are five hilly stages. Sometimes they call them transitional stages. Six mountain stages with uh, three summit finishes. There's one uh, team time trial, and I don't know what stage that is, but it's oh, it's stage nine. And then there's a stage individual three. time trial. What's stage that? Three is the stage three is the team time trial. Stage three. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Stage three is the team time trial, and then the penultimate stage is the individual time trial. Stage nine. The reason I brought that one up is because stage nine is going to be heavily uh, cobbled. It's going to be kind of like a Paris-Roubaix stage. Uh, they're going to Alpe d'Huez, as they often go. And uh, another summit was St. Larry, I looked up. That's uh, kind of an overview. Uh, Jerry, what stages do you think you're going to look for the most? Well, I'm really excited to, uh, about the cobblestone stage. Yeah. That, uh, that can be total make or break. It depends on what the weather's going to be. If it's crappy, then uh, sure. it's really... Really going to be a testing stage. Uh, some of the guys are really looking forward to it, and some of them are just fearful as all hell, I, I would yeah, imagine. Sure. Just to interrupt real quick, not only am I not an expert, I'm probably not even a rookie 
at any of this. I, I know very little about racing, so I'm going to ask the stupid questions. Like, I would imagine the cobblestone gets pretty slippery if it gets wet. Oh, extremely problem, slippery. Right, right, yeah. I've so, ridden on cobbles before, and uh, they good, are uh, terrifying if okay. it's wet out. Okay. Well, and if you've seen the, the cobblestones in, like, uh, Wauwatosa Village, the, these are nothing like the cobblestones in Wauwatosa Village. These are, you know, enormous rocks with big spaces in between and the Uh riders look for any kind of flat way through them that they can okay but there are some really heavy duty hard-nosed riders who can take a whole ton of time on a stage like stage nine and what's unique about this year's cobbled stage is unlike past cobbled stages of the last decade or so of which they revisit this maybe every three or four years this time, there's a significant amount of kilometers that are cobbled. In the past, they just had a couple here and there, mm-hmm. and it really didn't matter that much. But this year, there could be significant time gaps due to the fact that there's a lot of cobbles and some very tough cobbles. Well, and we should note that the the last time that Chris Froome did not win the Tour de France was because uh, he injured himself on the cobbled stage. And uh, so I think there are a lot of people out there salivating, hoping for maybe a, a rough day that day. Yeah. So anyway, that's going to be a very uh, unique stage. The uh, team time trial, that is always a, an iffy stage. One thing I do want to talk about that actually I'm, I'm pretty passionate about, I've been wanting the tour to reduce the field size, namely two things. One, reduce the number of riders per team and reduce the number of teams overall. Well, this year they're reducing the uh, riders per team to eight riders. I've been waiting for that for many years. Uh, Jerry, uh, what do you think about reducing the field? Is that a good a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, I think it's a great thing. It's going to make it so that the really powerful teams aren't able to totally dominate nearly as well. Uh, it's going to add a lot more action and uh, liven things up a, a bit. It, it made the first 19 stages the Giro pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, until until the usual thing happened and, and Sky dominated. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So uh, I got a couple of questions for the experts on our panel today. Uh, the first one I have is, uh, should Chris Froome be allowed to ride? There's been some controversy around him lately. So uh, should he even be allowed to ride? Being allowed and should he start are two different things. I think there's nothing in the UCI rulebook that keeps him from being on the start line at the start of the tour. I wish Chris Froome would realize that the sport is bigger than himself, and it would have been great if he had stepped aside from the start of the Giro and said, you know, I want this all cleared up. Uh, you know, I I firmly believe that I'm innocent and that the evidence will exonerate me, but for the good of the team, for the good of the sport, I'm going to step aside and show you just how serious I am about these charges. Okay. I just can't believe this is still going on. I mean, this (laughs) has been going on for ever since the Vuelta was over. And uh, how come they can't come to a decision on whether they let him in or not? Uh, Technically, he's allowed to go, but I know that the head of the the tour promoting committee uh, is definitely against having him in there, so... You know, now they got their their main uh, spokesman, mouthpiece, uh, Bernard Hinault, coming out and saying that, you know, the rider should revolt if Froome is on the start line, then the other rider should strike. So that's that's sort of silly, too. But uh, I sure wish this would have been taken care of long 
time before this. And, you know, I have to say that I've never really been that great of a fan of Chris Froome. He's really a great rider. He's well-deserving of all his victories. And he just, you know, he doesn't ride with the same kind of panache that a lot of other riders do that you like to see. Certain joie de vie that is missing from Chris Froome when he, you know, he, he looks... He looks exhilarated when he wins for about two seconds, and then he's back to uh, to all business. He's always looking over it, looking at his computer, his head <laughs> is down, and he just, you know, other guys, you look at Thibaut Pino, he's out there racing his heart out, He's you know, and he's got the classic uh, look. Yeah, Froome is, is a they say he looks like a, a spider on a bicycle, right? He's got these real long arms and legs that are splayed out to the side, and like you said, it's not pretty to watch him ride but he's a great rider oh yeah of course yeah. yeah i mean it's also worth noting that that sky has an ace in the hole by bringing garen thomas to the tour as well if uh if chris Froome first of all goes out and second of all if for some reason chris Froome isn't allowed to start or doesn't start uh, they've got they've got garen thomas who is you know a pretty capable leader on his own yeah great yeah. plan b for them yeah the doomsday scenario is Froome does win this and then come six months from now, the, he gets disqualified. And not, not only disqualified from the Tour, but the Giro that he won here not and too long ago. And the Vuelta. And so you have this prospect of, again, either nobody winning the race or the second place rider winning the race. And that's such an unsatisfying feeling. Yep. You know, six months from now, they say, what you saw with your eyes didn't happen. Right. Uh, the right. guy that was in second place actually won. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really like being a baseball fan and looking at all of Barry Bonds records with an asterisk next to it. Yeah, right, exactly. Or I was thinking uh, the Olympic controversies too. I noticed that uh, they were just talking about one of the runners on the Jamaican team was disqualified. The relays, all the relays he was in, they lost all their medals, and they said, "Oh, and that means you know this this team won, and this was second. This team actually gets a bronze medal." But it's also anticlimactic when <laughs> when when uh, you know here it is, whatever, two years later. Or, but, yeah, you uh, want to so see the winner on the podium, yeah, right? Then right, there, exactly. Exactly, Not and I think they do too. That. I think the winners do too, right? Like I want to be up on the podium. I want to hear my hear my anthem playing, and you know, get that feeling. I mean, that's all. That's that's what you do it for, you know. So, we mentioned the Giro. How do you think uh, Froome and uh, another contender, Dumoulin, riding the Giro is going to affect their form for the Tour? I think Chris Froome will ride into form during the tour because apparently that is what Chris Froome does, uh, which is, is sort of in contrast to everybody else. I mean, if you looked at uh, Dumoulin in the Giro, uh, he did exactly what you would expect somebody who's a world-class rider to do, which is do really well and, you know, fade over the course of stages 18, 19, 20, 21, whereas Chris Froome tracks in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, there's in the tour, there's not just uh, the race for the winner. Uh, one thing unique about the tour is that there's other competitions, kind of like in baseball. People are curious, you know, who wins the most games as a pitcher, who hits the most home runs as a hitter. And so there's other competitions within cycling, within the tour that are of interest as well. So with that. So, so my question for the panel is, uh, who is going to win the most sprint stages? Jerry. I would say that uh, Fernando Gaviria uh, has got my vote. He's really been going very well. Uh, but then another dark horse is uh, Viviani is uh, really ripping it up right now, too. I don't believe Viviani's going to ride this. I don't, you know, they're on the same team, quick step. And uh, I believe it's yeah. in the team plans to have Viviani sit this one out. 
I was going to be excited to see Caleb Ewan uh, ride in this, but Mitchelton Scott left him off of uh, off of their uh, tour roster, uh, partly because he just hadn't performed up to expectations. Or that's what they say. He had not performed up to expectations this spring. Um, I will agree. I think Gaviria is going to be tough to beat. I was like watching uh, Edvald Bosenhagen, but uh, I don't know that he's going to rack up uh, a big number. You know, big question. Mark Cavendish has had a pretty checkered bunch of months leading up to the uh, tour. It would be nice to see him back in kind of prime sprint form. He's what one stage away from tying for the all-time. What, is it one stage from tying for the all-time stage yeah. win record? I thought two. Yeah, maybe that's it. I think he'll be doing well to get one stage. Yeah. I think that's he's hoping for one more stage. I don't really see he has a really been able to produce stay away from the road furniture i thought that about him two or three years ago and then he rattled off what four victories was it two years ago or three years ago one of those two and i had written him off at that point but again like jerry said i don't see it happening maybe one if he's lucky i've just seen him crash too hard too many times yeah he really has put a big hurt on his body yeah i'll say this that um that i would have said gaviria as well in terms of this would be his year for the sprint stages but just recently, he is not impressed. Uh, he was beaten by Demar here, I believe, just recently at the Tour of Swiss. He was beaten by Sagan, I believe, at the Tour of Swiss. And these were field sprints. I thought this was going to be his year. Now, I think there's a good chance that there might be four or five uh, sprinters that win one or two apiece between Gronenwagen, Demar, uh, Sagan, Gaviria, uh, Kittle. Cobb, maybe oh, Kittle. Kittle. He'd Crankle. like to see Kittle do well, but uh, he really had his prime a few years ago and has seemed to let the, his form slip through his fingers. Yeah, and um, same with Andre Greipel. I mean, this Greipel. is Andre Greipel. He's in a contract year, and the rumor is that he's, he's, he's going to go to He's been around a lot longer yeah. than uh, Kittle has. On UAE, they've yeah. got Kristoff. I'm excited about some of the new guys that are coming up, like. Grunewagen, who won the uh, the yeah. final stage last year. Now, of course, the sprint stage uh, winner isn't necessarily the winner of uh, the green jersey. So, right. So, uh, so on that note, who do you guys uh, who's who's going to take the green jersey? What do you think? <laughs> It'd be pretty tough to get uh, Sagan away from that. He, hmm. you know, he goes for all those intermediate sprints. He goes he goes in the breakaways. Uh, so he garner, garners up all those, and then plus he, you know, manages to get second, third, fourth, fifth, and right. uh, gets a lot of points there. So, Chris, uh, for our, our listeners who may not know, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us what the green jersey actually means? Well, the green jersey, a lot of people that are new to the tour think that the green jersey is the prize for the best sprinter. It is not. It is the prize for the most consistent place finisher, namely on these sprint stages. If you win one or two stages... That might be well for you, but if you come in second and third all the time, as Sagan does, either first, second, or third, he'll win the green jersey. I'll throw one more name out there for the green jersey that had just popped in my head is the guy that won last year after Sagan's (laughs) disqualification, Michael Matthews. He could challenge for the green jersey. My 10-year-old assistant was uh, whispering Michael Matthews' name (laughs) in my ear as uh, as we were talking here. We do have a fifth uh, guest. Uh, Mitch, why don't you go ahead and introduce Uh, our fifth guest? uh, My son Charlie is here, and uh, we were going over our podium podium guesses before we came over here, and I dare say his is probably more informed than mine. Okay, well, uh, towards the end, we'll be looking for his podium picks. (laughs) 
<laughs> and of course, the green jersey isn't uh, the only jersey. No. Uh, what, do, what do you guys think about the polka dot jersey? Uh, that's always up yeah. for grabs. There's <laughs> no way to really predict that. It's like the most aggressive person that, that's going to be positioned in the breakaway time after time. Somebody that you'd never really hear of much. but Some you know, live great, Frenchman. <laughs> great rider, I'm sure, but uh, you just never hear of him. Yeah, it's it's impossible almost to predict the polka dot jersey. Again, the polka dot jersey, again, is not necessarily the best climber in the tour. Uh, it. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm going to throw a name out there. I'm gonna say Alexander Genez. Oh, that's a good. That's a good pick. Yeah. What do you guys think about the white jersey? <laughs> I'll, I'll throw out some names. Really yeah. I'll throw some names out for you guys. For uh, Bernal uh, from uh, Scott. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a good. That's a good he call. He is good. Yeah. He 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 is a tour uh, winner in the in the making here soon. He looked amazing in the tour of California. Which he won. Yes. Man, can you believe how many Colombian riders there are that are of high, high quality? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. They're like the number one cycling country in the world, just about, it seems like. On FDJ, uh, they left uh, Pinot home, and their young rider is Gadu, I think is his name, G-A-U-D-U. That's a guy to look out for. Uh, Solaire, I don't know if he's riding. Oh, Mark Solaire, movie star, right? Yeah, but there's too many cooks in that kitchen. <laughs> so uh, now I want to shift over to talking about the teams here. The, uh, the start list that we're going to mention here today are not final. We're still about 10 days out from the final list, and so some of these names might not uh, either be on our lists or might not be actual names that are riding. Chris, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about Quick Step this year? Quick Step. Uh, we mentioned Gaviria. Gaviria is their sprinter. Quick Step is traditionally a team at the Tour that does not go for the GC as much. The GC being the overall competition. The yellow jersey. We didn't mention that yet. Uh, they got Bob Youngles, who uh, might be their GC guy. Al Philippe will be going for stages. Quick Step has had really an all-star spring, though they uh, they were great through the classics. But uh, but you're right; I don't think they've got a they've got a solid GC guy. No, they could easily win four or five stages, though. Oh yeah. So move over to Jerry. Jerry, what do you think about uh, how do you pronounce it? Lado Sudal. Oh, uh, I've been watching that uh, Teach Benoit uh, for a while, and he's uh, starting to come through. Yeah. You know, he's been uh, getting solid placings, not necessarily winning races, but always there. Got his uh, breakthrough in the uh, White Road Classic in uh, Italy. Strada Bianchi. Strada Bianchi. So that was really uh, nice to see that. Uh, they got uh, Thomas DeHent, who was really always out in the breakaway and always a threat to win one or two stages, too. So, Or maybe the Polka Dot jersey could see that. Yeah, yeah sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greipel's going to always be in the mix. I don't know if he's going to be able to come away with the, the goods, but uh, he's always right there. All right, Mitch, what do you think about uh, the Trek team? Trek Segafredo, obviously uh, hometown heroes, sure. more or less. You can uh, buy a Trek at Jerry's uh, Wheels Brocken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you uh, need a Trek, you can buy the same one that they ride. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a small plug. We won't even charge them. Uh, Trek does not have a real superstar going to the uh, tour. Uh, Alberto Conador uh, retired. Um, Bacamalama has had a pretty sharp spring. Uh, he'll be, I think, uh, challenging on some of the flatter stages. Uh, Charlie, uh, who are you uh, pointing to? Yeah, Yarlinson Pantano is a solid climber. He's not maybe quite as accomplished as some of the other Colombian climbers, but uh, but cer- certainly he's got some street cred in the Alps. 
Polka dot jersey, perhaps. Yeah. 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 All right, Chris, what do you think about uh, Lotto Yumbo this year? Lotto Yumbo. Lotto Yumbo, uh, a couple things. I mentioned Gronenwagen. He could be the equal of Gaviria, potentially. I could see that. I've heard uh, some pundits talking about their GC aspirations. You have two riders, Kreuzweg, Stefan Kreuzweg and uh, Roglic. Now, I think the, the better bet in terms of who's the better rider at this point is Roglic, who's won uh, Romandy this year. He's won Basque Country this year. He's won Tour of Slovenia this year just recently. And he's looking really good. And in fact, he took on Bernal at uh, Romandy, who we've seen doing really well and handled him quite well. And so I think he's the better GC guy, but they're saying that Kreuzweg might be their GC guy. Now, he is a couple of years removed from his best years, and I don't see it. I think if either one of them came in the top six or seven, I think that would be a good ride for, for Lotto. So now you're using this uh, acronym GC a lot. What is that? What exactly is that? GC stands for General Classification, which is uh, the it's the overall competition. Back when Lance Armstrong was winning, he was winning the GC. Okay, you know, so the, the overall winner. the overall winner. Yeah, that when like the says they title. won the tour, they won the yeah. GC. All right, Jerry, we're going to move back over to you. How about uh, FDJ? What do you think? Well, Arnold Demar, he's been coming on. He got a couple of good results lately. The other guys are. I'm sure solid riders, but you know they're going to go for stage for stages because uh, Pino is not going to be able to ride because of his uh, illness and injuries. All right, so Mitch, we're going to uh, next next team is uh, Dimension Data, uh, and at this point, their uh, start list is uh, not quite fleshed out. They, of course, have Mark Cavendish, sure. who, as we talked about a few minutes ago, will be in the mix for a stage win or two. He uh, famously. Uh, crashed out of last year in spectacular fashion when it was ruled that uh, Peter Sagan uh, diverged from his line and forced him into a barrier. And uh, uh, Cavendish has done nothing except get injured in every successive race he's been in since then. Did you see the crash in Milan San Remo? Yeah, head over heels over, uh, yeah, it was, uh, fortunately, he was not more seriously injured because it was at full gas. And uh, yeah, he basically hit um, what they would call a piece of road furniture. It's, you know, uh, sort of a median um, and went straight into it and flipped over his handlebars. Wow. You know, you wonder if some of that starts to get in your head, you know. Obviously, you're going to start to slow down a little bit, just maybe even subconsciously, you know, and take think things off a little easier. Bit. Yeah. Back off a little bit and not be as aggressive. You know, all, all shaves. Uh, they, they say that about uh, sprinters a lot of times once they get married and start having kids, right? That all of a sudden they've lost their edge. Well, and, and Cavendish has, what, three, four kids at this point? I oh, think. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, uh, Dimension Data, they're always an interesting team to watch, but uh, but I don't see them uh, as having anybody really uh, in line for the GC. All right, Chris, let's talk about uh, Katusha. Katusha, I mentioned uh, Kittle is their sprinter. Mm -hmm. Tony Martin has always been their time trial specialist, although I don't see that coming into play too much here. And then their GC guy is a guy by the name of Zacharin. He's a Russian. He's been coming up the ranks, and uh, I think he got maybe even third last year in the Welta, if I'm not mistaken, maybe fourth, something like that. And so I could see him potentially eighth, ninth. I think if he gets better than that, I think that'll be good for him. Jerry, let's move over to uh, Movistar. Uh, the power team. They have the all-stars, man. You go on, uh, up and down their lineup is, like, unbelievable. So they, uh, I would fully expect their team to uh, get the team title. 
I don't know about their GC guys. And Nairo Quintano has been up and down. Thought for sure a couple of years ago that he was going to be a world class beater, and uh, you know he has some good days, but he has some bad days too. And then uh, Valverde, how can the guy keep doing what he's been doing? He was the only guy that ever beat Lance Armstrong in a uphill uh, race in the tour. This is when Lance was still in the tour. Yeah, wow. Well, hmm. Yeah, and you that got you so got Landa, you got Mikel, Mikel Landa, uh, Solaire. Uh, J.J. Rojas is a real good support rider. In Movistar, you have potentially three leaders. Do you think that helps them or hinders them, Jerry? It's hard to say, but, uh, you know, I guess they're they're just counting on if one guy falters, then they got the next guy to back up. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and Landa left Sky because he was upset with not getting a leadership role there. So you have to wonder how happy he's going to be. You know, if they say you got to work for Quintana or you got to work for Valverde this stage. Yeah. Sure. yeah, but every time that he's been given a leadership role, he's fallen flat on his face, too. So he <laughs> seems to really excel when when uh, he's in a support role. Right. So Reluctant domestique. Charlie, why don't you step up to the mic and uh, tell us all about Team Sky. Yeah, so we were talking about this uh, over dinner, and you were saying, like, there's the question of who you want to win and who you think is going to win. <laughs> I'm not sure. I know that Sky's given Garen Thomas the, like, okay to ride his own race and not, like, be a domestique for Chris Froome, but I'm still not sure if Garen Thomas or Chris Froome will be the one on Sky who's going to, like... The big dog? Yeah. 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 So but who, who frankly, you look, at, uh, you look at them and they're like an all-star team, aren't they? Yeah. So who else should we watch? Um, well, Mikhail Kwiatkowski and Wout Poles are also pretty strong riders. How high do you think Wout Poles or Kwiatkowski would fare if they were in charge of their own team? I don't think they're up to it yet, but probably like later on they might. A couple of years down the road. Yeah. 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 Who are you hoping to win? Um, we'll, we'll, save, we'll save that for later. We're at the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, don't, don't answer that. Don't answer that. <laughs> I don't think he wants anybody to win on Sky. <laughs> yeah, my, my son doesn't like Sky either. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they, they really have a veritable all-star team there, uh, as always, supporting Chris Froome, uh, the Italian who may or may not be, uh, you know, riding the ragged edge of disaster, uh, Johnny Moscon. But right. Mikhail Kwiatkowski, Wapols, and Egon Bernal are all amazing riders in their own right. Yeah. Sounds like a lot like the uh, New England Patriots to me. So yes, like, uh, actually, you know what? Well, was, which, which, unfortunately, you guys are New England Patriots I, fans. but comparison <laughs> uh, that, um, yeah, um, like being a New England Patriots fan, I know what it must feel like to be a fan of Team Sky. Sure. Yeah, they right. are the they right. are the team that people like right. to hate. How about the Yankees? We'll go that way instead. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, it goes so far as the the team bus that Team Sky has is known to all the other teams as Charlie. The Death Star. The, the Death, Death Star. Star. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> all right, so that's Team Sky. How about uh, Bora, Chris? Uh, Bora, obviously, uh, their big name is Peter Sagan, who we talked about, who is the prohibitive. Green Jersey favorite. He'll probably win a stage or two. It's got to be a stage that's got a little bit of a hill towards the end to, to burn off the, the pure sprinters. Uh, but he'll win a stage or two, probably win the green jersey. Their uh, GC guy is probably Rafa Meka. And again, I could see him 
top 10, and he's won the polka dot jersey in the past as well. Uh, Jerry, why don't you talk a little bit about BMC? Let's, uh, let's run down their lineup there. Well, BMC is a team that uh, you always hope is going to do well, for me anyway. Uh, they sort of seem to disappoint, but uh, Richie Port seems to be coming on pretty well, so he's a definite contender. Just won the Tour of Switzerland. He's got to be one of the top three contenders for the Tour. And, uh, you know, uh, T.J. Van Garderen got his fifth place a few years ago. Everybody's expecting big things from him. Sure. You know, hoping that he was progressive. An American. Yep. Seemed to go backwards a bit. It'd be nice to uh, see Greg uh, Van Avermaet do something, too. Yeah, on the cobbled stage especially. Right. Mm. He's a cobbled guy? More of a cobbled guy. They call him a classics writer. He's like, oh, okay. He was the king of classics, not this year, but the year before. Oh, okay. He just wiped everybody off the face of the earth, just about. Yeah, it was dream season last year. (laughs) Okay. He's good at riding and breakaways, too. Yeah. Uh, All right, Mitch, what about uh, AG2R? AG2R Le Mondial. They have a uh, a contender for the GC in uh, my, uh, my sentimental favorite, Roman Bardet. Uh, he's podium twice at the tour in the past. He's taken second and he was third last year. He's had a really a pretty good spring and they actually have assembled a pretty good team around him. Uh, they've got a Belgian rider named Oliver Nassen who is going to be his right hand man and, uh, he is a, he's a horse and, uh, AG2R looked really pretty good in the Criterium de Dauphiné. Um, they had a much stronger team time trial than I think a lot of people expected. Um, Rowan Bardet's Achilles heel has always been his individual time trial. So for him to, uh, to succeed, he's going to have to have, uh, a good chunk of time over some of his rivals. Uh, he barely hung on to a podium position, uh, last year, uh, it, which was very exciting, but uh, it could, you know, with just a little bit more practice on the uh, individual time trial, it could have been uh, a lot less exciting for him. I like that uh, Bardet has been so much more aggressive in his racing tactics, too, so that's really good to see. I mean, it, as a cycling fan, you just love to see the guys mixing it up and just going uh, man against man and, uh, you know, the best man win and, and not ride this defensive race and, you know, wait for the end and put one big effort in. And, like, they're, he's going out on breakaways. He's he's really trying. It's really nice to see that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it has been years since a Frenchman has won the Tour. 1985. So, uh, there is still oh, some wow. uh, some hope that, uh, that uh, Roman Bardet could be that guy. Hmm. All right, Chris, what do you think? Uh, let's run down Education First. Education first, last year's uh, surprise podium uh, rider was Rigoberto Uran, second place. Kind of surprised a lot of people. He had done well in the Giro some years back and then had been a little bit more quiet. This year, we'll see where he finishes. He won't be a surprise if he does it again this year, maybe top five. An American on that team is Taylor Finney, who uh, a lot of the uh, TV commentators like to talk about a lot because he's got uh, a good personality. And... Uh, and like I said, there's always been that hope that he's going to be a star so that uh, his personality can shine through. Uh, all right, Jerry, what about Astana? Astana, they are sort of living a life of uh, trying to get the best out of their riders that have been around for a while. <laughs> so they, you know, they got uh, Jakob Fuslang, who's, who's been, has some good results. Uh, Louis, uh, Louis uh, Leon Sanchez. 
uh, always a threat to uh, stay away in a breakaway or uh, win a win a hilly stage. So they have some definite uh, over uh, not overall winners, but stage winner uh, potential. And they've done they've punched above their weight this year. I think Fulsang got second or third in Tour of Switzerland here just recently. Yeah, there was a one or there was one or two uh, like the smaller stage races that they totally dominated. Yeah. Which was sort of surprising. Yeah. All right, Mitch, that brings us to Bahrain. Uh, Bahrain Merida, they've got uh, Vincenzo Nibali, who is a former uh, tour winner himself. Um, and uh, he's, I, would, I would give him an outside shot. He's had kind of an up-and-down year, um, having won... Um, Milan San Remo this year with kind of an epic attack, uh, which was really a pretty exciting, uh, exciting win. I think he went, um, earlier than anybody, uh, earlier than anybody expected, which was the, the genius to that attack. Um, they also have a really strong climber and all around guy in, uh, Domenico Pazzavivo, who used to be on AG2R, um, who could be really useful to, uh, Nibali or could have a strong tour in his own right if, Nibali collapses, but you know, on the whole, Nibali's uh, best years probably like uh, are a little behind him. They've got the Izagir brothers, also Jan and Gorka, who will be useful to uh, to Nibali. But I would be surprised to see Nibali. Uh, I, I could see him in the top five. I, I would be surprised to see him win, though. And they have Sonny Cabrelli for the sprints too. Yep. All right, Chris, we got some wild card teams here. Why don't you uh, give us a rundown of these guys? The wild card teams, there's 18 uh, world tour teams, and then they pick four wild card teams, and they tend to pick a lot of French teams, as they did this year. Three French teams, one Belgian team. Uh, Kofidis, uh, you're looking at Buhani in the sprints. He's always been somebody that hasn't uh, lived up to his full potential. Uh, direct energy. Look for them in the breaks. Look for all these teams in the breaks. This is uh, how they make their names. When we say the breaks, we mean uh, to start the race, usually a handful of riders will get out in front of the group. They'll let them go. And uh, then as the day goes on, the group of riders called the Peloton will reel in the breakaway. And so usually these guys from the wildcard teams are those that you see in the breakaway. Direct Energy, look for uh, Lillian Kalmjan. He's won a stage. Fortineo, uh, look for Warren Barguil, who won the Polka Dot jersey last year, came in maybe the top 10 last year. Some thought he would be a GC guy, but then he uh, he jumped ship from Sunweb. Right. He left Sunweb largely because of another rider that we're going to talk about here, Tom Dumoulin. Uh, he wanted to get away from him so he could be the, uh, the big fish in the small pond. Mm. But we'll see if... The pond is too small because he won't have support, and we'll see if if he gets anywhere near the top 10. And the last team is a Belgian team called Wanti. The main name there to look out for is uh, Guillaume Martin. He, uh, I think he came in like 20th last year. He's a young uh, rising French rider. Look for him maybe in the top 20 or top 15. Okay, so, uh, oh, what was I oh, these breakaway guys, do they get any points for this? Uh they can get some points. Uh, as we mentioned, the green jersey competition, mm-hmm. uh, there are points that go uh, to the riders to first cross this line somewhere in the middle of the race. 
And a lot of times those guys get some of the, uh, some of those points. Uh, and somebody like Peter Sagan can sneak into those breaks, get a lot of those points and, and, uh, solidify his green jersey that way. All right. They always have a competition for the most aggressive rider for right. the day too. So, oh, okay. So that's where you're going to always find the guys that are, that are from the, uh, the smaller, uh, wildcard teams that, uh, try and get TV time for their sponsors. So that's right. very important for them. Oh, sure. Sure. Because it you is. could, you know, they, uh, televised basically the whole race, uh-huh. and so uh, you could be showing the same guys for three hours. Oh, sure, on TV. So right. it's very important for the sponsors. It nice. does help if you're French, though. Uh, they the uh, the judges for who wins the most aggressive rider tend to skew significantly towards the uh, French rider. You could have like five Spanish riders and one French rider in the break, and the French rider will almost be guaranteed to win the most aggressive. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it isn't. Maybe well, there's just one. There's just advantage. one feed too, so it's all, so it's right. all controlled by uh, their production company. Sure, makes sense. Somewhat unscientific. Right, right, right. A little, maybe perhaps a wee bit biased. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Jerry. How about Sunweb? Sunweb, they've got some good riders. They got Tom Dumoulin, who uh, won the Giro last year. It was uh, that was a sentimental favorite for me, uh, for you know a non typical. Uh, GC winner. Uh, he is a big, strong time trialist, and uh, a lot of times he can, you know, those guys can do real well, uh, except for in the uh, the severe mountain stages. And uh, he was able to hang in there pretty good. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know they have Michael Matthews for uh, mm-hmm. for stage wins as well, and uh, a few other guys that are uh, really good. Uh, Phil Bauhaus, good quality guy. Uh, uh, Soren Anderson has been riding really well, too. Mitch, uh, we got UAE up next. How about those guys? UAE's got a really good sprinter, and Alexander Kristoff, who, despite his name, is actually Norwegian. <laughs> uh, and their uh, main competitor in the GC is going to be Dan Martin, who has a, a nasty habit of puncturing at inopportune times. Mm. Um, if he's on his game, he's he's really pretty tough. Um, but you know, I could see him finishing top 10. Uh, you know, I don't think they have the manpower to get him a GC. Mm-hmm. Fabio Aru is on the, uh, is on the team as well, but he's had a horrible climbing year this spring. And there's some uh, question about, uh, the last I heard he was actually being checked to see if he has food allergies or something. And so there's oh, a wow. question about whether hmm. he'll actually start in the tour uh, and then they have the former world champion Rui Costa, who was just fun to talk about because you always get to attach the name, uh, the title world champion Rui Costa. He's a Portuguese rider who uh, is definitely uh, past his prime, but uh, but will ride a solid race. Might might win a stage. Okay, Charlie, it looked like you were itching to say something. Did your dad get it in there? Okay, good. We're going to talk about Dan Martin's <laughs> propensity for uh, oh, Fabio Aru. Okay. <laughs> All right, Chris, why don't you wrap it up with uh, Mitchelton Scott? All right, the last team, Mitchelton Scott, I believe uh, their main GC guy is Adam Yates from the Yates Twins. His brother, uh, Simon, almost won the Giro and then fell apart uh, right at the end, the last couple stages. They'll have some other guys to support him, uh, but you did say that Caleb Ewan is not going to be riding, right? Caleb Ewan is not riding. Uh, I think they, they're going all out with, uh, with climbing. Uh, the exception might be... Uh, Matthew Heyman, who is a winner of Perry Roubaix in the past, right. who uh, I think should be really good on the cobbles. All right, guys, I'm going to have you turn the page. I've got uh, some prepared material f- <laughs> for them here, and I'm going to read the top ten. 
This is an odds-making site. Uh, the first favorite they got is Chris Froome. Second, uh, Richie Port from BMC. Third, Nairo Quintana from Movistar. Fourth, Mikel Landa, again from uh, Movistar. Fifth, they've got Nibali from Bahrain. Uh, Tom Dumoulin is in sixth from Sunweb. Garen Thomas, uh, the second option from Sky, is in seventh. Roman Bardet from AG2R, eighth. Jakob Fulsang, ninth. And uh, Roglic, tenth. Uh, Jerry, does any one of those uh, names look out of place to you? Is somebody too high or too low? Uh, from what uh, Roman Bardet has been uh, riding, I think he could uh, sneak into the top three or four. And I, I have a question about Nairo Quintano, too. So he's been just so up and down that I I think he's going to have some bad days. I, I'd agree. Bardet is too low. I think uh, Tom Dumoulin might be a little too low. I would say, as far as too high goes, I don't see Michael Landa winning this race. Uh, I think uh, between uh, between Froome and Thomas, um, Landa plays a supporting role. It would it would take I think some significant developments for for Michael Landa. We're going to be asking here in a second uh, who do you think is going to win, but uh, who would you like to win? Jerry? I'd like Richie Port to win. BMC is sort of the sentimental favorite. It's American team. Guy who runs the team is right from the Milwaukee area. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. What's his his name again? Jimmy Akowitz. Akowitz. Yeah, he's from Brookfield, I believe. No, he's from West Dallas. From West Dallas. And he is a name in cycling for the last, what, 30 years? And and from big speed skating family, too, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mitch, how about you? Who would you like to see win? I would like Roman Bardet. I would like to see Roman Bardet win, uh, partly for uh, for the reasons Jerry was talking about. He's just such an exciting rider to watch, and his aggressive style. It would be it would be great if that were rewarded with uh, with a win. And I know uh, France would be overjoyed to see it happen. Uh, Charlie, I think I want William Calmejean to win. But Kamajan. Now that would be that I'm would. Sure, I'm not sure why. I'm gonna put some money on that. I, I win a million dollars if he wins. Realistically, though. Um. Yeah, I'd also say Bardet. Bardet. My son, who is uh, 11 years old, would say Bardet. He's a big Bardet fan. Uh, if I had to pick a name, just to pick a different name, how about Roglic? That would be. I mean, he's winning races that aren't huge. But he's beaten everybody, right? And, you know, so he's he's won three stage races this year, and he beat all comers at those. And so, who knows? Maybe he might be a surprise package. And, and quite the uh, quite the career shift for him. Yeah, the ski jumper. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right, Jim. I'd have I have one more. All right, let's uh, hear it. Uh, favorite that I would like to see, and I just love the way that uh, Vincenzo Nibali races. Yeah. He oh, is yeah. a complete racer. He descends well. He climbs well. He's aggressive. He's always out there mixing it up. Wouldn't it be something to see uh, see it come down to a descent between uh, Nibali and Bardet? I mean, the two of them going all out down one of those winding... <laughs> well, Chris Vroom has turned himself into a pretty good descender, too. Yeah, he is. All right, so now we get to the last section here. All right, here it is. I would like you to each pick your podium plus an additional one in case Chris Vroom doesn't ride. All right. So, what do you think for the podium? Let's go with Charlie first. Charlie, yeah. let's hear Charlie, your top you three. Um, I'd say it's going to be Froome, Bardet, Yates. Froome, Bardet, Froome, Bardet Yates. Yates. Okay. 
Yeah. Mitch? Uh, my turn, huh? I am going to, uh, I will say it's going to be uh, Froom and Port, and I will say Tom DeMoulin. Okay, now wait, each of you guys put Froom up there, so I what if you just... My extra? Yeah, what's your, what's your extra, Charlie? Um, I'm still thinking about it. Okay, well, I'll jump in. Uh, I'll, I'll put Bardet on the podium uh, sure. if uh, if Froom is gone. Okay. Gary? Okay. I would say that uh, my guess is that it's going to be Froome and Port and Dumoulin. Froome, Port, Dumoulin. Mm. We're all we're all reluctantly picking Froome. Maybe he's getting too old. Maybe he's tired from the Giro. Maybe he can't take the drugs anymore. And he goes. <laughs> maybe he can't take the drugs <laughs> who's, anymore. Who's your plus I one? Said that out loud. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, right. <laughs> if he's not there, yeah, yeah. Um, I would. Uh, I'm going to say Garen Thomas. Then and uh, I'm gonna totally mix it up and uh, and pick uh, Nibali and Bardet. Oh, there you go. All right, let's see. For mine, one I will with a heavy heart. I'll say Froome, like everybody else. I will say Port, and I will say I'll say Landa. Now I mentioned a gym here. Uh, Who's your plus one? Yeah. Oh, my plus one. I'll say my plus one is uh, I'll say Nibali. Now there's one more thing I wanted people to pick, which mm-hmm. is what was it, Jim? The uh, the dark horse. Who's your dark horse rider? One and not in the top ten. Now I believe we've already heard Charlie's, but we'll see if he still wants to go with that. So not in the top ten to finish, right? To yeah. do well. To, so, well. Yeah, to do who's, well. Who's the dark horse? Rigoberto Iran. That's a good choice. He got second last year. I'm going to pick. I will go with Bob Youngles. Okay. Whoa, where's, I don't even see him on the list. He's towards the bottom. There he Bob is, Young way is, down there. Uh, looks like about champion of Luxembourg rides for uh, Quickstep. He's at 22 right now. All right, Jerry? Um, I'm going to pick uh, Ilnar Zacharin. Okay. He's okay. going good. good. Okay. And I will, uh, right I will pick uh, Bernal. So now I noticed Simon Yates is on here, but I didn't see him in the team. I noticed you talked about the Yates brothers. Some of the Richard some of the writers Scott, mentioned in embedding things are people that aren't going to be there. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Simon, Simon yeah. rode the Giro, but he's not riding the tour. Okay. Yeah, they they don't know sometimes at the time of printing who's going to ride. Sure, makes so, sense. So, all right. Well, hey, uh, I want to thank everybody for stopping yep. by. Thank you, special guests. We appreciate your time on our panel. And, Thanks for uh, having me. And if you're wrong, you know, it's going to be big, big problems. It's going to be so, held yeah. up here. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm going to be at a week of the tour, so I, I can report back. Oh, oh there you go. There you go. Uh, on location. Can on we, location, Can yes. we get your FaceTime on location? <laughs> yeah, FaceTime. We'll we Mitch, where are you at? <laughs> Mitch, uh, you have to have some – got to record something for a Bait and Switch podcast in the future. That would be great. I will do yeah. it. I'll, uh, I'll, be I'll, cool. be, I'll be there for the cobble stage. So Okay. okay. All right. All right. Hey, we got a correspondent there. The Bait and Switch Podcast <laughs> we're, correspondent. We're sending them out into the field. <laughs> Double dipping. Makes this a tax-deductible trip for me. Right? Yeah. Oh, That's yeah, right. exactly. There you go. All right, well, Jerry, Mitch, Charlie, appreciate your time. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thank yes. you so much. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Clap it out. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch Podcast when our guest Mike Sisko tells us insomnia is nothing to lose sleep over. I was complaining to my daughter last week about the fact that I you know, have a few nights in a row where I literally just can't sleep, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was complaining to my daughter about it, and she said, she's very level-headed. She said, okay, let's let's talk about your sleep hygiene. And I just said, hygiene? I just said, wow. let's not, <laughs> because, <laughs> because I know it's horrible. Right. <laughs> you know?